0: Well, folks, welcome back to our podcast with Andy Parker of, of Pushing the Right Button, and uh, this podcast is brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Andy, I appreciate you coming back this week, buddy, and, and excited because uh, your knowledge of hunting big game and your success that you have, but elk has really been the... Uh, I guess this is the one I've been waiting on because it's always been the first time I hunted Utah out there hunting elk with a bow. I got to hunt for three or four days and but it was unbelievable, beautiful terrain. Um the air altitude uh, altitude got to me. Um, but I will tell you it was turkey hunting on steroids and I always said then this would be something if if this was my bucket list, putting a big bull elk down with a bow and arrow or even a rifle would be amazing. But I appreciate you coming back this week and uh, look forward to talking about your buttons that you use on the elk. And And um, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me again, George. Um, disclaimer, man, from the start, I am not, uh, in any stretch of the imagination, the world's greatest elk caller. Um, so I don't want to just... Beat up a whole bunch of stuff that there's way better guys out there, um, better callers, more knowledge, um, than I have. I've, I've got almost 40 years of, of doing L hunts and I've done a lot of them, uh, in mostly limited entry units. And so I think that we need to talk about the difference between drawing a limited entry tag, especially here in the state of Utah, uh, and public over the counter, stuff in different states even in utah we have some over-the-counter kind of uh public land hunts that i don't bother with so there's going to be a little bit of tactically different stuff different noises but really the button that i wanted to talk about from my experience just because there's so much on elk out there is this bull versus bull button you know actually using a bugle uh to locate find and call in bulls and i I don't think that's talked about as much as is the cow calling and a lot of the tactics there so that's kind of the button i I wanted to go into um if you're into that then stick around and listen
0: well i think it's great because uh i believe just the same as in waterfowl some of the best hunters that i've hunted with that, that did well if You know, being able to finish geese and finish ducks were somebody that would never probably make it in a calling contest, but they knew that sound of the button, and they knew the timing of that button, and I think that was one of the best uh, uh, word disclaimers to ever use is finding the right button, and uh, like again, so... First of all, being able to establish and knowing that button and then having the success that you had. But I, I'm definitely excited to have you share your knowledge of what you know and the button that you use to push on those elk.
1: Well, let's, let's jump into it. Let's talk about rifle hunting first. Um, in these really, really well-known limited entry units, I've guided in a lot of the, the really good ones. Um, not some of the top ones down south and in central, but towards the northern end of the state, I've guided in uh, four or five different units up here, and they're they're pretty legendary for big bull management. And our our hunts are during what? Uh, they start in the middle of September, the high power rifle hunt. They go through a couple weekends, I think they're you know nine days or something like that. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I don't want to you know give bad information out but they're you know they're they're nice long hunts uh with a high power rifle and so tactically there's a difference between archery and, and rifle obviously and then being a limited entry unit that doesn't see a lot of big bull hunting pressure uh these elk how would i put it uh the button is, d- is definitely different than a public land situation where there's there's younger bulls. Uh, these bulls that we're managing for in the state of Utah are, you know, eight to ten years old, the, the upper class, and even bigger and older. So they've seen and heard a lot of different things. And, and I just want to go through kind of my thought process on, on using noises to locate big bulls, but... Getting a big bull to make a mistake at rifle range is, is tactically way different than than uh, trying to get a bull to 20 yards.
0: Well, explain real sense. quick for our listeners the difference between a limited area, a limited entry area, and a public area.
1: Well, there are, most of these most of them are on public land anyway. Uh, not necessarily all of them, but uh, limited entry means there's a unit. Defined by a boundary from the Division of Wildlife Resources and a limited number of mature bull tags issued for that unit Uh, every year. Some some units have 10, some of them have 20, some of them have 50. Uh, You'd have to I haven't looked at the regs for a while, um, but I don't know how many are in each unit around here. But there's you know 20 to 50 in most of the units I was guiding for a pretty Giant area, so you're talking about kind of a once in a lifetime. Most of the most of the opportunity you're going to get out here from a resident standpoint or for a rifle tag, at least 15 years to get a tag. Now, some people get them and they get lucky and they get them with a few points, blah blah blah, whatever. But for the most part, I think my father in law, who, who drew a tag a number of years ago, had 17 points. So they've kind of come down to if you start early, you're going to get maybe two tags in your lifetime because there's a, lot, there's a five-year waiting period in between. So you're talking, you know, 30, 40, you know, plus years to get, to get lucky enough to pull two tags. So they're kind of a, they're special there's you know, once in a lifetime kind of deals and uh, Utah has them in the middle of the rut. So they're kind of, they're, they're really cool.
0: If I remember correctly, I think, uh, when I was out there years ago visiting with Richard and Ray Brand, it was in their office and they had a couple big bull elks on the wall that they shot with rifles. And I'm pretty sure that Richard said that they were a limited draw, you know, out I of think limit- those were
1: waspash bulls and that's a, that's a pretty good unit down there. Yeah. Um, that's up behind there where they live. And I'm pretty sure that's where they killed those. And they're, those tags are, you know, 15 to 20 points, to pull one of those tags and less, I'm, and I'm talking high power rifle. You can get muzzle uh, muzzleloader tags and archery tags with less points, but obviously, you know, the success rates aren't going to be as, as good as, as you're going to get with a, with a gun.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, tell us what, your, so, yeah, Well, what's your tactic that you, so what,
1: if I'm gun hunting, I really, if I know the area and I know kind of what a lot of the times we'll, we'll do a lot of scouting for, for elk because they don't move, too much between their summer and their rutting grounds uh, but they do some um obviously we're up there if we've got a limited entry tag we've got a pretty good idea of, of a or, or, or a couple different areas that we know that there's a big bull in so one i want to get him to advertise his location with a with a bugle and since we're kind of in the middle of the rut here most of these bigger bulls are probably going to have cows already so if i blow a call that sounds like another mature bull he's gonna do a couple of different things in my mind which is one he's gonna he's gonna stay quiet two he's gonna round up these cows and leave um and both of them are good so i want to sound like a very young, immature bull that he just doesn't want to deal with. He's going to bugle back. He's going to try to intimidate this bull. He's going to try to lessen any kind of encounter before it starts. And if you watch these interactions, I I just spent so much time watching it during the rut. And if you see a big bull and you watch the reaction that, two bulls that are similar in size in age class have there's a measure of um mm, there's like a pecking it's it's kind of like watching two bullies go at it there's a little bit of shoving and some swearing and but it's never just right into a physical altercation. does that make sense to you
0: oh yeah whitetails do it. it it's uh you know, it's kind of like a mock fight, or they're, they're not in truly in a fight. They're, they call it sparring. Um, they're just they're sparring. They're, they're just starting to—our they, deer, whitetails, do it constantly. They'll sit there and feed next to each other, and all of a sudden, one will just reach up and start— you know, they'll start going at it a little bit, but it's not a hard, blown-out fight. It's just they know yeah. that they're starting to feel their testosterone is, is raising up in their level, and, you know, they're feeling more— uh, rambunctious, but they're very moody. Like I said, they'll go, and then they'll go back to feeding next to each other. And then yeah. one will just walk by the other one, and he'll just reach over, and they'll tickle antlers again. i still still in pictures of, of animals, uh, bucks now, that's past a rut. That uh, I've got pictures of them that still, you know what I call sparring. I got, you know, they're, they're locked up with their horns, and it's usually the younger ones who are, you know, they they're still filling their oats. They still got their antlers.
1: Absolutely, just- absolutely, an elk will do the same thing. But my point is that I was trying to make was like two bulls of a certain size. There's never it's really calculated this kind of interaction between these two bulls. Cause the last thing they want to do is end up fighting. Uh, they know that there's, there's a level of, of possibly getting hurt and, and being over. So there's always this, pr- this precursor to, you know, I'm going to bugle at you and you're going to bugle back and I'm going to move real slow. But it's always measured and calculated. If you ever watch a big bull, that knows there's a small bull and he's heard him a few times and he's seen him a few times. He's on the edge of these cows and he steps out or bugles. I've seen herd bulls just lose their mind and just run 150 yards and run these elk off, but it's never a big bull. So what I'm trying to do based on this information I just said is sound like a young bull. And I want to get that bigger bull to make a stupid mistake, cover some ground really quickly Get out in an opening to see what he's – if I'm dealing with a bull across the canyon, he's in the timber. Maybe he will come out just to see if he can get eyes on me. And then he's dead. So does that make sense?
0: Oh, it makes All total sense, yeah. Is get
1: that bull to expose himself at rifle range. It's a way different game than trying to call in a bull jar range they're talking you know some of these canyons you can shoot out three or four hundred yards and it it becomes fairly simple to use your call to get to get a shot at these things and the big ones understand very quickly that that uh coming out of the trees is no bueno so a lot of times you got to go in after them and, and, and get a little more aggressive but one my calling is designed to get a response. To get the bull to expose himself. That's really all I'm trying to do. So there's not, I mean, just trying to make a sound that sounds like a young bull. Uh, you can make mistakes. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just cannot be super. Tons of growling and grunting and chuckling. It's just those young bulls just don't have it yet. I'm trying to sound like a three point. A four-point, you know, a young bull that's just feeling his oats, and he's going to try to go get some off this herd bull, and uh, they don't like that. They just lose their mind when those younger bulls come anywhere near them. They'll just try to get rid of them as quick as possible. So that's, I think, the button that I'm trying to explain is, can you get that big bull to make a hasty decision instead of this calculated, measuring, slow... I want to smell that other elk, he sounds like a big one. I want to make sure that we're not just going headlong into a fight. Does
0: that make sense? Oh, 100%. That was my $60,000 question is what is the difference between the young bull and the old bull, you know, and they're they're uh, talking. Yeah, I'll I'll make,
1: And if you go out in the woods, uh, I'll make some young bull sounds. They're just, they're usually a high-pitched, short bugle, Maybe some chuckling, but I feel like the chuckling starts at a later age. Man, I hope I'm not, you know, saying something that's not there. But it seems like the older bulls chuckle more than the younger bulls. I'm just trying to almost sound maybe even like a spike bull. Whatever whatever I can do to, to one, get this bull to think that it's somebody he can run off with his bugle. Like, hey, dude, oh, I'm going to bugle really loud and aggressive. Uh, and it seems to work better at, at getting a response out of some of these bigger bulls than, than a really nasty, raspy, chuckly, you know, full on competition bugle.
0: But, Does that make sense. Sure? Oh, absolutely. You're just like you said. You're just one trying to get a response. Number two, you're just trying to get him to expose himself. So, if you got, say, you come up and you get one to respond, you, you you're giving this young bull, and you hear, uh, you know, it's probably a herd bull out there. He's deep. He's growl. He's got the the chuckle with it, and and um, <clears throat> so you know that you got a good bull. Say that you call again. Say that he doesn't move. That he's staying. Now, will you? Go towards him and 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 act like you're trying to come and make maybe another 50 yards in or another 100 yards in to get him to think that this young bull is approaching. Or do you just stay and and do you stop and stay in the same spot? What what's your? That's a,
1: that's a great question because I think my tactics is once I get him to people once and I'm like okay he's there and being proficient at your particular areas if i go into an area this is the first time i've guided in there there's always going to be a truckload of mistakes topography mistakes google earth's a great little you know great little tool uh, on x and some of these other mapping software we just didn't have that stuff back when i was guiding so um the places that i've done a lot of guiding in like okay he's in this canyon if the only way we're going to get a shot of him is to go around and shoot across this canyon or he's more than likely betting in this piece of timber, so let's get in front of him. But a lot of times I just want him to bugle
0: once. I just
1: want to know where he's
0: at. You will call from different locations, but mainly once you he bugles once, it lets you know that he's there. You determine whether you got a, a, a good bull or not, and once you determine that, then you're going to kind of make a move to get to a better altitude, a better position, maybe to to try to set up on him, and then maybe try calling again to get
1: yeah if i can get him to if i can get him to people that one time i, I know the topography that i'm in and that's that's a huge huge weapon to have hunting experience and, and one a lot of people don't have because uh, as a guide i you know i've been in some of these units 30 times and you're not going to draw more than one or two tags so a lot of people don't know the topography like i do so I know he's down in this canyon. I know his bedding area is over here and he's feeding or whatever. I know there's some water over here. Whatever I, Whatever information I can go, I can make an educated guess. Uh, I know where he's at. I know where he might go. Uh, so now I'm going to move over to that position without calling uh, and then set up, and then I'll call again. And if he's going that way and he thinks there's a younger bull that's already where he's heading, then he's probably likely to expose himself. Gotcha. Uh, so, and then I may even get one of his cows to leave him, and that'll drive him nuts too. So, there's a lot of, but I think my really big point from from gun hunting to archery hunting is is uh, sparing calling for sure, sounding like a young bull, and uh, trying to get this bull to make a mistake, because you can stay on a mature bull as long as there's not a lot of, you know, if there's not another hunter that's on him. You can stay on him and learn his routine by getting the bugle every once in a while. It's just, and not go in there and try to call him up and and blow it, and then you're done because he's probably going to be three canes away. He could be in another hunter's lap, or you may never see him again. They they really they don't like that, and they they'll tear off and 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 they'll go a long ways several canyons away and then you're starting over again at a new pattern a new establishment you know new everything so um closing the deal on these big bulls sometimes takes a few days but um, the luxury of hunting in the middle of the rut is they're talking to you a lot so and there's going to be bugling on his own and if you can just keep him going every once in a while with a squeaky bugle and you can just kind of keep tabs on him until he comes out and then
0: There's not a lot to it, to be honest with you. So what's kind of cool about that, with I'm understanding this, so even if he doesn't show himself, expose himself, you can hang back, and if he's moving, you can kind of determine – the, the pattern of the herd, how they're moving, he's following those cows or he's yep. moving those cows to where he wants to go. So you can kind of get an idea of the pattern. Like you said, it might take a couple of days, but once you establish and, and understand a pattern where he's wanting to move to, maybe you can set up and get around him on the next setup, the next day, where are you thinking he might want to head? Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Yep. That is the key to it. And that's what makes rut hunting so cool is, is they're almost like a, you know, a big mature goblin that's, that's, you know, he's saying, hey, I'm right here, dude. Uh, and so you're, you've kind of got, you've kind of got the upper hand in a lot of situations. If there's some topography where you can shoot across canyons, if they're in really flat country that's heavily wooded with either aspens or pines. Then now you're using that information. Okay. Yesterday we we're out of this kind of clearing over here that I can't, there's no vantage for for me to shoot in. And they moved over to here to, to water and wallow, and then they moved up in there to, to, to bed. And then at night, obviously, they're coming out. They're not going super far uh, out of their bedding area. So he'll, a lot of times those bulls will just lay down, and and, and you can use these, these kind of immature bull noises to get a herd bull to answer from the timber where he's laying with his cows. And then you've got a bedded bull, um, you can get in within reason a couple hundred yards and then sit down and wait for him to start moving. And then you can get it, get in the right spot, but, um, getting him to talk is, is, is a big part of it. And, and making sure that he doesn't feel threatened enough to take his cows away from is, I think a pretty, a
0: pretty solid task in my mind. Yeah, game to respond, and, and then patience. One of the things I was going to ask you is, that when you use an immature bull, your your style of calling, is there dangers of that of calling up or, or you know. Uh, an immature bull that you know who's hanging back or that isn't in with a herd bull but he's you know he's hanging back from the herd that you you know do you ever call those in that blow your spot and maybe blow your cover or anything like that
1: way 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 less with a bull call than you do the problem with blowing a cow call on the edge of a herd bull is that um those immature bulls a lot of times are just lurking on the edge waiting for an opportunity to slide in there and, and get a cow that's wandered off and so when you're cow calling a lot of times around a herd bull that's when you get those surprise attacks from from downwind or all of a sudden you look up and there's five point just standing right there and then the whole thing's just the whole thing's an implosion because he's just going to run right into the middle of that herd and just blow the whole thing up so I feel like there's way less livelihood because those younger bulls, you know, everybody's just
0: kind of, I don't know, everybody's just kind of on edge that time of year. Oh, Young imagine. bulls, they're doing a little,
1: like you said, a lot of sparring with other younger bulls that size, and, and they're they're wandering around, but they know they're not. The cows don't want them around, and the, and the big bulls certainly don't want them around. So um, you just want to sound like a a, a bull with some that just needs his butt kicked.
0: So let me put it, when do you know the timing is right to, to pick up a cow call?
1: Mm, man, good question. Oh, wow. And that's, again, such a double-edged sword, that cow call. Uh, if he's got his own cows, the likelihood of him leaving those cows to go find a cow that he's just listening to is unlikely in my mind. Um, the way you get him with a cow call a lot of times is – push him with a with a bigger bull noise, push him over the hill and then when he goes over the crest you get up to the top of that crest and then you make your cow calls and He'll he'll come back around it, round up that that cow that he feels like he's lost and that tactic works really well but you've some uh, you got to have some foot care and some lungs to do that uh, you just push him over the ridge it might sound like a big bull threatening him he's going to take his herd over the hill and then you've just got to sprint get over there to the top of that ridge where you last saw him and start cow calling. A lot of times we'll come back out of that timber and and, um, and come try to round up that cow. Um, the cow calling works better in the rut or pre-rut situations during archery season because it's, it's more of a pre-rut hunt. So, you know, they haven't established those cow herds yet. So I feel like that's more of an archery tactic. That In is my mind, yeah, really like, still we're trying to get those bigger bulls to to vocalize. So I think sounding like a huge bull is just a. I don't think that's the way to go. But that's just my opinion.
0: No, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, like we were talking earlier, you know, it, it, not, not using the word uh, "quote unquote" trophy, but any time an animal meat uh, reaches that mature status you know it took age and it takes time and they're not always going to be fooled you know it's like that guy who's played survivor two or three times he's not going to be so quick to say hey trust me to believe the first person telling him trust me he's he's experienced that before he's going to be a little bit more paranoid and a little bit smarter the second and third time around and and that's the same way whether it's whitetail or even geese you know hunting waterfowl you're hunting you know big birds or uh, it's a lot there's snow geese I'll put it that way you know it's a lot easier to kill juvies than it is to kill mature snow geese you know it's just because they're more they're more leery they're smarter they're not going to be uh, tempted as easy as as the younger one and it makes totally sense and i could see you know i look back and, and you you said something earlier that you know because um you're not just hunting once every two years or hunting once every four or five years. You're in this area quite a bit because you're guiding this thing. So you know the the land and the terrain. So to me, I've been out there and it's so vast and you get up there and it's so big. I could see where guys, the first time in there, you know, I uh, hear a bull over here. Well, you might know what's on the other side of that ridge that where he's going or where he might want to go but you take someone who doesn't know that area i could see me getting down in there and all of a sudden lose total track where i'm at yeah, compared to this.
1: once you barter them then you know they're just like i said they go a long ways uh barter elk just man they'll go several canyons away a lot and, and a lot of times if they if they hear you calling and see you or wind you or whatever they know there's there's a there's a hunter that's making a, an elk noise that really seems to terrify them to the point where they're they're gonna move a long ways uh peeping through the woods and having a having an elk wind you sometimes isn't the worst thing um but if you a lot when you're doing a lot of calling and they they associate that calling with uh with your scent or they see you uh then there's another level of fear that seems to catapult them into the next county
0: let's uh Let's say that you get in there and uh, you accidentally bo- do booger one. Do you what? What is the first thing where like the image, the guy inexperienced guy might keep pushing and and pu- pushing more out there? Once you've known, you establish that you boogered a bull. What's your first thing? Back and get out of there. Move to a different part, or what? What's 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 well, your I tactic? On.
1: If I'm if I'm guiding a gun hunter and a, and I I have a bull that sees me and, and he barks and that's the other button I really want to talk about calling button is this bark this alarm call that they make uh, man I I really use this this year uh, I was barking back at these bulls and I had a couple just like they see something if it's a wind issue you're toast but if they see something that they associate with You know, I saw something that doesn't look right, and they bark. They do this kind of alarm bark, and if you bark back, a lot of times they'll settle back down. It doesn't work every time, but um, a lot of times they'll just stand there and look at you. They'll come out and just take a few steps and be right out in the wide open. You can dump them. Uh, So that works good. If I ever get barked out, I always bark back. Uh, I know that's been talked about before. Uh, Pretty much everything every old tactic on the planet's been talked about death in my mind uh, on a million different podcasts. So, um, I just really wanted to talk about the bull versus bull button, trying to sound like a young bull, locating the bulls, uh, with vocalizations and then using topography to get a shot with a gun.
0: Um, if you want to go through a couple of noises, uh, sure. it's really not super important.
1: Um, my basic, locator slash almost go-to noise is just is more or less this that's it wow that's all i do maybe a little higher um sometimes i'll start with a high pitch and then throw a couple little baby chuckles in there that's it that's all i do um it works good you know i i saw a lot of elk this year uh call a lot of bulls in with that it's amazing. That those bulls, they, they respond, I think, better to that. Hey, I think we go back to some of that, you know, some of the contest calling and stuff in the waterfowl world, you know, people make noises that are just completely unnecessary, uh, and they use calls that sound like the biggest, giantest bull in the woods, and, and uh, they sell a lot of those because they, they do well on the contest, but they're, they're not the best noise to make in the woods.
0: Does, uh, let me ask you this then. I know like with rattling and with whitetails and, and some of the calling that the techniques that guys do, it, a lot of depends on your buck and doe ratio, how successful your calling's going to work. Um, absolutely. Is that the kind of the same way with hunting elk? If you have, you yep. know, uh, two or three, maybe potential herd bulls that, that, or is there only one herd bull and the other two get pushed out and they go to other places to find cows?
1: Well, you know, in, in Utah, in these just premium units, these these, these herds are so well-managed, uh, and some people would argue that there's not enough tags, and, and I'm going to argue the other direction and say these, these things
0: are perfect, because you have all the age classes, uh, you have a great bowl-to-cow
1: ratio, you have super old animals, it's like it should be. When you're trying to take out those top age classes and then, you know, they're replaced every year by by elf when they're managed properly uh for a for a trophy situation. And some people don't agree with that management strategy. But um I think we we've learned a lot from from why t- to dough ratios, right? That's the way it was intended to be and when you mock it up by shooting too many bulls or you give too many cow tags out away or you've ruined your elk in my opinion but that's just my
0: opinion no it makes a lot of sense same way with the whitetails i when the looking at buck and doe ratio, a lot of times in the management, guys say, well, I got to kill some does off and they'll go on a doe hunt. And and that's one of the things that I get upset with the party hunting, this drive hunting, because there's really no age structuring. I mean, you want to shoot a doe and that's, that's awesome. You know, you're going to use the meat and everything, but with Me, personally, on my place, I'm looking at age structure because I, want, I like what you said earlier. You want to have all age structures mixed in there. And
1: it's, a healthy, it's a healthy herd when it's like that.
0: You absolutely. Do you that. don't want it's to go me. in. It's supposed to be. Well, a lot of guys will go in and say if you wipe off, the, you know, mature, absolutely, your youngest deer that are not the smartest. They're probably the ones that's going to get killed first. So if you go in and say, I want to kill 20% of my does, you go in there and you wipe out 20% of, you know, of, of fawns and yearling deer, uh, you're going to have a, a gap in your age structure down the road. If,
1: absolutely, and that's bad. That's bad for everybody.
0: You know, that's I was wondering about that. So, um you know, do you ever rattle it all with elk?
1: So a lot of times, now we're going to switch gears and we'll talk about archery. You know, archery tactics are way different. Um, so i will talk about this bull bow bull again. Um, I'm going to start with that same squeaky, high-pitched. I'm going to get him to answer me. And then I'm going to do it again. Maybe a little closer. Try to get the wind in your favor. Where is he going? Can I get in this bedding area before he skits in there's so much thought process that goes goes into an archery tactic. It's just so different. Every situation is different. So I'm gonna try to escalate this thing in slow increments. So next bugle might have a little bit of inflection from my voice in it. And if he responds by doing it again, whatever he does, then, and he's now he's getting pissed off a little bit. I'll, and then I'll start copying him a lot of times. I'll, whatever he does, he biggles a nice short bugle and a bunch of chuckles. I'll do the same thing. That seems to bug him a little bit, too. Um, but get him to expose himself, and that's the tricky part. Because again, I think if you, if you, if you sound like too big of a bull, his, his instinct of self-preservation is to be calculated about covering any ground and, and running headlong into this other bull that he doesn't know how big it is and getting into a confrontation that he's not ready for, uh, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So I want to piss him off in a way that he feels like he can just run me off. And, and if I can get him to make a mistake quickly uh, without downside me, which is what I call when they they – they get into that hundred yards and then they they shut up and they they try to catch a wind. And a lot of times you can do that too. Like okay, you get your hunter out front of you at 50 yards and uh, make sure he's kind of on that downwind side. And a lot of times those bulls will try to sneak in and see if they can't get a whiff of whatever's up there because that that's a you know that scent tells a lot about. I think there's a lot to it. You know, when you see two dogs first thing they do is go smell each other's butts and try to figure out who's the boss. Uh, and I think the smell of another elk is important information. So, um, the wind can, can be a helpful guide to, especially if you got a, a down and a crosswind. you know, he's probably going to come on that downwind side. So you get your, make sure your hunters, you know, on that downwind side and hopefully don't come straight in and step on you before your guy gets a shot but there's just a lot of mistakes that get made with archery hunting it
0: is what it is Um, that's what makes it fun and exciting it's getting those
1: bulls into archery range and you know usually getting
0: Well, if you're archery hunting with a guy and you're you're trying to pull, that's why I kind of asked this earlier, because it's a tactic that I do turkey hunting. If I got a, a gobbler that's, say I'm guiding somebody, and maybe if I'm not guiding, but if I got someone with me and I got a gobbler hanging up, a lot of times I'll move away and like that hen is leaving, and sometimes they'll break. Because uh, you know she's supposed to come to him, and well, she's not, and she's starting to move away. Sometimes they'll, they'll make that expose themselves, and and with the hunter stand, you know, back up another fifty, sixty yards. Sometimes they'll walk in front of the hunter. Is is that a tactic that you kind of oh, use? Oh
1: man, that's so funny, dude. Uh, and I think that's why I kind of gravitated. I started, you know, and I think we're gonna talk about turkeys at some at another episode, but. Uh, I think that's why I kind of fell in love with turkey hunting so much because it's virtually the same game except we don't have to worry about the wind. Uh, but it's the same tactically it's super similar. And, and getting that bull from a hundred yards into into bow range that's that's the tough part. And getting your hunter out in front of you, even twenty, thirty yards and it depends on topography You're in some thicker woods or you can get behind some trees and he thinks like a lot of my ranking that i'll do i'll i'll, I'll put a set of trees between me and where i think he's coming from that and then i'll start moving the branches like i'm ranking and, and, and there's a visual cue for him he's like i can't see that bull but i know he's right there so you know i'll just throw caution to the wind and, and come in and see what's going on and then they get schwacked but uh those archery hunts are tough, man. Anybody that's killed a bull elk with a, with a bow and arrow is uh, uh, either lucky or good or both because um, it's not an easy thing to do to kill, a, a, you know, a nice bull. Consistently,
0: yeah. In. You can set over water holes. And there's a lot of guys that, that shoot
1: big bulls over water holes up here. Um, you know, you can be on wallows. You can set up on the edge of meadows. But to, to call a big bull in is uh is a is a special thing that you know you you need to do it
0: once it's pretty cool yeah i was going to ask you about wallows i know when i was out there with ray uh, i found that wallow up there so i knew and it was fresh and tore up and and uh so we knew that there was elk in the area but we didn't hunt over the wallows say so to speak what we did is we tried to pick a spot that we would Give us a better advantage with he came off that ridge. You know, we just didn't per se set over the wallow and wait. We went more to a, a a spot and hoped to try to call him down from that ridge. We just the wallow told us that there was fresh sign in the area. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: But we didn't. Was, go ahead. But we didn't hunt over the wallow.
1: Yeah, I I thought a kind of a cool little wallow story. I haven't time for it, but. Uh, I had a hunter a few years ago in this, this unit back here behind the house. It was, yeah, probably a dozen years ago plus. Um, and we had been chasing this particular bull, and we never got eyes on him. He was in some pretty heavy timber, and he's was really, really throating. He had a ton of cows, and this unit, you know, if he's got cows and he's, he's a mature bull, we pretty much guarantee he's, he's probably a shooter. So we are on this bull for a couple of days, and we're always behind. So we dog him again. Day three, we dog him in the morning. He's up into his his uh, up into his bed there, and he's just screaming at me from his bed. But he, he's not budging. He's got a bunch of cows, and there's zero chance that I'm gonna go up in there and bugger him. And on, on the way to our last setup, we we stumbled onto a wall that I did not know was there. Uh, so I'm like, okay. He's just like, you know, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, let's come back about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And we'll ooze in here and we'll set up on this wallow. And then I think we can probably get a shot at him when he comes out of his bed at some point. So we got up there and we sat pretty close to this wallow. We're just sitting there. i Am I calling? Am I doing anything? We're waiting for this bowl to fire up. And it's about, I don't know, it's been maybe an hour and a half before dark. And I hear this crunching. And I looked over my shoulder, and this beautiful seven by six is standing twenty yards looking at us.
0: Oh wow! And my
1: hunter just my hunter just pulled his rifle over and smoked it, and it was like whoa. <laughs> and he was on the wallow. Yeah, he was coming to that wall. It was a totally different bull. He did he didn't come out of that bed here. He came from a different direction. But I would have never got that thing if we hadn't sat on that bull on that wall. It just really kind of you know on luck, but uh, again, you know, trying to get on this one bull led us to this wallow, and then that's what that was our starting point that evening. Was like, it was a, just a gorgeous bull, kind of had a, a bladed top end with a sticker, and it was a, it was a neat bull, but uh, um, you know, like a three forty type bull, but uh, just pure luck. I mean, I just heard this crunch, and then I looked over my shoulder, this bull was just staring at us. 20 yards, just hunter just swung around and drilled
0: a, like high-powered rifle. Happy hunter, just, huh? And, oh, yeah, he, he just fell over dead right there,
1: and I was like, whoa, dude, that was cool, man. Wow. But, uh, it does happen. One
0: life. of these days, yeah, one of these days, dude, I'm going to make it out there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of my elk button. I know, again, I just want to, you know, touch on, one, I'm not the greatest freaking caller on, on the planet for elk, and I know every subject as far as elk hunting has been covered a thousand times, but um, I don't think they talk enough about bull v bull stuff. And so I just wanted to kind of throw that. That's my two cents on on the interaction between between mature bulls and younger bulls and, and trying to get these bigger bulls to make a mistake in these units that don't receive a lot of pressure. And, and if you're in a unit that's over the counter, uh public land in in colorado this is probably maybe not a tactic that works i don't know just what i do out here because we're in a situation where we're hunting mature bulls with a rifle during the middle of the rut it's just different
0: i you know what it's um one thing that i've always uh some of the top whitetail experts when you read they'll write a book first thing they will say is hunting unpressured deer deer will act like deer in unpressured areas but you know when when any animal that's under pressure has a lot of hunting pressure you know it's there's, it's not a uh school book method you know it's yeah. it, it's the yeah. pressure so i think what your advice and what everything you gave was truly um i look at it it makes ton of sense to me and 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 might would be a great method i would use if i was going to go after no matter where i was at you know i think less always said that i believe less is more i believe people overcall you know using the right time and, and then again using that button and using it well and then don't overuse it and, you know, yep. stop and, and use that hair cover computer to figure out what he's going to do and knowing you, you know, there's a lot of great tips you had in there. N- number one, you don't overuse it. You get him to, you want a response and you want him to expose. Two easy, two easy points to remember. You want a response and you and try to get him to expose himself and then figure it out from there. And, and uh, yep. but Ant, Andy, it was great, great information. And oh, I hope oh, well, I, I, I hope our, our, our listeners are going to like it, and I hope they subscribe. And again, I, I appreciate you you uh, sharing your great expertise with us. And um, we're going to get you back again because uh, you're something that uh, we we both love turkey hunting, but you do the mountain turkeys, and oh, I can't yeah, wait. Oh yeah,
1: turkey hunting is my favorite too. I, I can't know it.
0: And I, that would be a cool thing to kill a mountain turkey. It would really be cool, especially, you know, you like to kill animals in different states, not just your home state. But I've killed turkeys in a lot of different areas. But they've all been Easterns, you know, and go out there and, and shoot a mountain turkey in a different terrain. That it, it would be pretty dang cool. It but, is.
1: It is. All right, George, man. I appreciate uh Having me on
0: this podcast. Right? Yeah, no problem. Like I said, anybody, you guys, please uh, subscribe. If you like this, like it and subscribe. And just gonna give a quick shout out to all our sponsors: the Apex Ammo, Domain Outdoors, G5 Broadheads, Killing Sticks, The Cross Footwear, Prime Archery, Retay, Sika Gear, Stan Releases, Yeti. And I wanna thank my good friend Brent Nadu of our podcast intro and the outro music. Again, folks, always remember: hunt safe, hunt smart. May the good Lord be your guide. Lobby well, I'll be out there, rain of
1: shining, all a part of the great design. Bring
0: it on, I can never get enough, because that's what legends are made of.